You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Well, good morning. Let's go to God's Word, head to Romans chapter, I almost said chapter 4, chapter 5, yay, we're on a, we have moved on to another chapter, Romans chapter 5, we'll be in verses 1 through 5 on our way there, I've got one picture from last week, this comes from Elijah, is there an Elijah here? Hi Elijah, this is from you, is that what you drew last week, right, yeah, yeah, this is Elijah's family, and that's great, I thank you for that picture Elijah, Uh, there are families here, and we hear the kids, do you hear them? I think they're just saying amen to Milt's, oh, it's Milt's praying. They're just saying amen, that's all. It is good that they are here, and those sounds are good. It's like right on cue. That's a good thing. So, um, But we are thankful for each, every child that's here, and those that can draw, and you want to be part of this, and, and uh, just give your picture to me. Appreciate, appreciate that, Elijah. All right, let's head to God's Word. Chapter 5, we are in Romans. Let's read His Word, and then we'll... Comment on it. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let's pray once again. Lord, would you guide our study of this particular word in these particular verses today? Um, we trust in this Holy Spirit that has been given to us that you have spoke about in, in the second chapter of 1 Corinthians, that the things of God are revealed to us by the Spirit. The natural man cannot understand the things of you. It's, it's the spiritual man, the, the one whose spirit dwells. So we, we thank you for that and we pray for understanding of your word, for a, a depth to our knowledge of you once again, Lord. And not just a, an academic knowledge today, but a a knowledge that our boast, our, our joy might be in knowing you today, that we know you closer, that we know of salvation, we know of the hope within us through Christ. And so we magnify you, Lord Jesus, and pray that you guide us in our time. In your name, amen. I want to address first address uh, those that will be working in VBS this week. Uh, we have a ministry before us this week, uh, in particular, we don't do VBSs every week, do we? And the leaders say, glad that's not every week. But it's coming up this week, and many of you are involved uh, in various aspects this week. And the question kind of posed to you is, is as we look at this passage, is what, what do we have to offer the kids that are coming through the door this week? What can we offer them? Uh, Lord willing, we'll start VBS tonight, go through this week. There's going to be fun there, and hopefully laughing, and there's already super soakers in the hallway uh, to win, and prizes, and songs, and, and uh, I think crafts, or building different things, memorizing the word. But, but in God's providence, here we are at the start of VBS this week, and we're in Romans 5, and in these five verses. And I, and I think 
that through these, it is a way for us as a church to prepare for ministry. It's good to prepare. How do we prepare for this week? Now, obviously, Paul didn't write this just for VBS workers or, or when your church is going to have a VBS, Vacation Bible School. But it helps us, I think, and it reminds us because we need this reminder of what we are proclaiming this week. That there are kids coming through our doors here that are dealing with all sorts of darkness. Homes where there is hurting. And we have a message, a message of hope in Christ to share. And even to the workers, even within that, we're, we're sharing this This gospel, that's what we have to share, this gospel of Jesus Christ. And for the workers and you that are that are coming in, and and I hope if you're if you're not working, even you just feel the invite and the welcome to come and hang out. Maybe there's a child kind of off on their own that needs some encouragement. If you're not signed up for a certain dude, just come come in and be part of that ministry. But I think this passage also can speak to the worker that we we thought summer would be this time of rest and we would just show up to VBS and be all rested, but maybe we're just heading into it quite exhausted and kind of tired and worn out. And how, how, do, we, how, do, we, how do we care, much less for myself, how do we care for the children? I think this passage gives us hope and encouragement. So let's be encouraged by God's Word. Apply it to your own lives, your own situations, and also as we begin to minister this week, in particular to a specific, to these kids that the Lord should bring through our doors here. So let's head to verse 1 and just see this hope in this passage. Verse 1 again says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The therefore is there, presents us. It's, it's on this gospel train called Romans. It's the next truth. It's the next series of truths based on what's come before. Paul has already proven he's he's gone to show the unrighteousness of mankind the sinfulness of man by great lengths chapter three even just in case we didn't get it it's just a a a wide range of of old testament verses to say we are all no one is good no one is righteous all in sin so there's this unrighteousness every man is accountable before god deserving of god's wrath but we saw that but now in chapter 3. There's a redemption that's come. It's faith in Christ alone. God's wrath through Christ has, has been propitiated. His wrath has been satisfied. And as we've looked in chapter 4, those who look to Christ by faith, like Abraham, like David, their sins are not counted against them. They're, they're Rather, they're counted righteous. They're justified. They're declared righteous in this courtroom of God And it's based upon Jesus Christ. And so Paul now, in that therefore since, is going to just elaborate. Dear brothers, what do you have in Christ? What is this that you have? What are the privileges of this status of being justified before God? And the first one is right there, right in the middle of verse 1. Peace with God. We have peace with God. With God. Now, Leon Morris will point out this about this peace. He says here that Paul, quote, is not referring to a subjective feeling, but to the objective fact that the justified are no longer enemies of God, but are at peace with Him. So, this peace with God is not based on our feelings of today. It's not based on your feelings right now. It's based on the truth of Christ and what He has done. 
Praise the Lord. It's not based on my sin of the day. I'm counted righteous in Christ. It's, it's objective. It's on that righteousness that I have through our Savior. And that's what Paul points out. We have peace with God, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our peace is only, it's only ever found in Christ. And to back that up, we're going to go to Ephesians 2. I'd like to, to head there. And we're going to go, we're going to jump a little bit back and forth. Um, I just find that the latter part, I mean, you could read all of Ephesians 2, but the latter part is just kind of um, helpful here when we think of peace. So Ephesians chapter 2, if you find your way there, just a few pages to your, to your right in your Bible, Ephesians 2 in particular, you can find verse uh, 13. Paul's speaking here to the Gentiles, re- reminding them they were separated from Christ. They were alienated from this, this commonwealth of, of Israel, as he calls them. They're, they're strangers. They were strangers to the covenants of promise. What prom- And through chapter 4, we're going, oh, the promise, Abraham. Strangers to that covenant, but look at verse 13, and I'll just read down through verse 17. Here's, here's what, how Paul says it, and it almost acts like commentary, helpfulness, and where we're at in Romans. Verse 13, but now, well, there's another one, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, that's Jew and Gentile, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both. So there's peace, Jew and Gentile. Then there's peace, verse 16, might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. How can peace like a river, like we just sang, how can that attend your soul? It's knowing that your peace has been purchased by the blood of Christ. Therefore, you have peace with God. The relationship is restored. Reconciliation has taken place. That, that face that was turned away because of wrath, because of your sin, has been turned towards you. Your guilt and shame has been released. No more. I found an interesting quote from a, a fellow named David Dixon from the 1600s. He said, I have taken, this was near the end of his life, uh, I believe. He said, I have taken my good deeds and bad deeds, and thrown them together in a heap, and fled from them both to Christ. And in Him I have peace. I'm going to read that again. I have taken my good deeds and bad deeds, and thrown them together in a heap, and fled from them both to Christ. And in Him I have peace. Hold your finger there in Ephesians 2. We're going back to Romans 5 just for a bit. There's one more thing, and then we'll, we'll kind of come back and forth here. But back to Romans 5. One more thing in verse 1. It's through Jesus Christ, and here he's called our Lord. Again, I think we've looked at this maybe in the first chapter. Our Lord 
Jesus Christ. Just make a note. He's not simply the Savior. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. Is He worthy that we sang about? He's the Lord who reigns. This, this means that Jesus is not just, you know, it can be called fire insurance for that, that day, just kind of a, a get out of jail, get out of trouble. If you need a, if you need a tow truck, call Jesus, and then you're, on, you're happily on your way. He's the Lord. He's not just a key that unlocks a door to God. He is God. He's the door. He's our master. We must bow before Him. He is who we submit to. He's who we honor and adore. That's part of this. Our salvation is based on Him. And in that, in following Christ, He is our Lord and Master and King. And so we follow Him to death. We read from from where Milt was this morning. For Him, He's our Master. That's our Lord. That's how we have peace through this Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verse 2. Through Him. Again, let's not miss it. Through. Who through? Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. How is it that we stand? We have access to this grace of God. It's by faith. It's by faith in Christ. Now, the NASB, you've got the word, if you're using ESV, you've got the word access. We've obtained access. The NASB would say um, introduction here. We've, we've, we've obtained an, an introduction, and that seems kind of, what does that mean? Introduction. Access seems to, okay, I understand access, like maybe opening a door, or I think some definition looked at a ship having access to a port, something like that. Um, the word introduction, I, one place had it, kind of that idea of, of an introduction before the king. So through Christ, if you think of it that way, we've obtained an introduction by faith into this grade. There's kind of this idea of an introduction to the king. And who is the introducer? One, one commentator points out, well, that is Christ. Who introduces us? Christ. We have access into this grace. If you're still in Ephesians 2, now thinking about access in that particular word, by faith into grace, back in Ephesians 2, let's just continue. It continues on where we left off at verse 17. Look at 18 and we'll just read it to the end and I think you'll hear familiar things in here. For through Him, through Christ, we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Both Jew and Gentile have this access. We have an introduction through Christ by the Spirit to the Father. We talked about, I think, the Trinity last week. This is a Trinitarian work. It's a household built on you know, the apostles and the prophets. I think that the, the Old Testament and then what the apostles will, will write of, think of Scripture, and then Christ Himself is the cornerstone. All right, so there's Ephesians 2 kind of commenting. Let's head back to Romans 5. I think that's the last back and forth here. 
Back in verse 2 of Romans 5, we have this access to a standing in grace. We stand in grace. Paul's going to say near the end of this chapter, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. It's abounding grace. This grace of God's undeserved kindness and favor towards rebels and enemies like us. It's what God's promise rests on. It's even referred to, I think you see it in your translation, by faith into this grace. It's, I think it illuminates it all the more. It's, it's this grace in which we stand, and it's all through Christ. And so this justifying faith in Jesus that brings us peace with, peace with God, it gives us that sure footing, standing in grace, brings about rejoicing. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now the word here, we're in this last phrase of verse 2, rejoice, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The word rejoice here, maybe you see it even in your ESV, it could, could mean boasting, it can mean to we exalt in, we boast in, we rejoice. We might hear boasting. Well, that's, not a, that's a bad thing, we shouldn't boast. It, right, in a sense. But Paul, even Paul, 1 Corinthians one thirty one says it's, it's good to boast if, what does he say, as, is, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is not the boasting of, of my achievement, something I have done, boasting in self. There's a boasting in the joy I have in the grace of what God has done for me in Christ. And so I think we've got that exalting in him, boasting. He is my boast. He is my joy. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. And what we have in Christ is this hope. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, to me, maybe you're different, this phrase. Uh, at one point you think, okay, I understand what this is. And another, what is, what is Paul saying here? Let's try to work through it and understand this phrase, this hope of the glory of God. Um, you might remember, we've, we've seen this before in Romans, back in maybe one of the most memorized verses besides John 3.16, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There, uh, Doug Moo commented about glory, so this falling short of glory. He said glory in the Bible characteristically refers to the magnificent presence of the Lord. We think of that, that glory of the Lord, the magnificent presence. And he adds an and here, and the eternal state, was often pictured as a time when God's people would experience and have a part in that glory. So not only there's this presence of God's glory, we're glorified, we're in Him. Perhaps Revelation 22 gives us a helpful glimpse of that one-day glory in that heavenly city, the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem of God with believers. It says there in verses 3 through 5, it says, Maybe this gives us a, a picture of this glory of God. No longer will there be anything accursed. Not in that city. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. It's a picture of this, I think, this glory of God, this hope of the glory of God. 
Moses could not see the face of God and live, tells us in Exodus 33. But in Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 says, God's given us the knowledge of His glory, where? In the face of Jesus Christ. All this, again, funnels down. You cannot get away from it. This is through Christ. The glory of God, the hope of this glory, the rejoicing in it through Christ. And to see this restored, this face, this relationship restored for eternity. Worshiping our Lord. That's what we will do for eternity. So I think there's two aspects to this hope uh, of the glory of God. Number, number one, there's that hope of being, I think, conformed to God's glory. Our glorification, our, our being transformed, and that, that ultimate glorification one day. And number two, then, there, there's this hope that we're going to stand by grace in this glorious presence of God, on the rock that is Christ. That in Christ, we're going to live in this holy city where we see His face eternally, and we'll never be ashamed. There's rejoicing in hope. And there's a hope we can offer to a world in darkness. And it is through Christ. All of us need this hope. These kids we're going to steward this week that God puts in our care. That we proclaim Christ to them as well. The old confession, it asks, what is our only comfort in life and death? Think of it in terms, what, what do we have? It says that I with body and soul, both in life and death, I am not my own, but belong unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with His precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from all the power of the devil and so preserves me that without the will of my Heavenly Father not a hair can fall from my head. Yea, that all things must be subservient to my salvation. And therefore, by His Holy Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life and makes me sincerely willing and ready henceforth to live unto Him. Our hope is Christ. Let's look at verse 3. Paul takes what might be an unexpected turn. I'm going to read verses 3 and 4. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. I think we might read along, we're, we're, we're well, more than okay with peace with God, that's grace, uh, that's great, or standing in grace by faith, wonderful. Rejoicing in suffering and tribulation. How are we supposed to rejoice in that, in hardships? Paul explains, he, he talks about the harvest of that suffering, the, the produce, if you will, the, what, what it produces. He talks about endurance and character and hope. If we desire, if our desire, I want to grow in endurance, I want to grow my character, I want to grow in hope, <laughs> the, the call here is rejoice in your sufferings. That what, that's what God is doing. Boast in it, in a sense. Let's think of these specifics as we think of this outworking of how to rejoice in the midst of suffering. It produces, the first thing, knowing this. So Paul's kind of giving that explanation. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that. Kind of like, okay, that's a, that's a hard phrase, but here's knowing this. Remember this in the midst of the suffering, that there it's going to produce, number one, endurance. 
That word endurance, it means the capacity to hold out or bear up in the face of difficulty. So suffering is the fuel by which we're to be built up to endure, to hold on, and to hold on to the promises of God. That word endurance made me think of Ernest Shackleton. You ever read of Ernest Shackleton? Uh, you guys read the... I forget. I could not remember the, the name of the book. I've, I've got it. But he, his ship was called the Endurance. Um, it was like in the 1918, somewhere in there. They were just starting. He's, he's an explorer. They were trying to cross Antarctica. I don't know if they were trying to get to Antarctica by, via the ship and then walk across it, you know, through the South Pole and go to the other side, that idea. Anyway... Their ship got caught. I mean, you, you sail a ship down there to Antarctica, and, and there's ice. And I'm not playing like, well, he should have known. So he's a great explorer. <laughs> I would have known have that. But, but they get stuck. Their ship gets stuck in the ice. And it actually, the endurance uh, gets crushed, and it sinks. That doesn't help the illustration. But, but uh, think of the men, the men of the endurance who carried on. All these men got off the boat, and, and uh, there's pictures. You can look up pictures of them. They're enduring the conditions, they're cooking, and then, and then they've got to move because of the ice, and, and eventually they take these lifeboats, and there was some um, re, kind of doing this reenactment of this in, in a real boat, some 720 miles, they get in a lifeboat and sail through these stormy waters to try to get help, 720 miles. So, as I said, the ship, the endurance sank, the, the crew didn't. None of the crew was lost, there's 27 crew. They endured. They held up. If you read the story, you're reading a story, I think, of endurance. That's what you read of these, these, these ones that get caught and they're rescued. There's this, this idea of endurance. And I think we could say all these men came out differently based on that. They held up, and it produced endurance in them. Um, we would not necessarily say we welcome suffering though we want to welcome it in the right way. Lord, if, if, if suffering will produce in me these things that lead to my hope in you, then, then so be it. And that's hard to say, and those of you that are in suffering right now, really hard to say on this morning. But hopefully we look at it in a new light of what this is growing, endurance. And endurance then produces the next product, character. Uh, again, these men of the endurance that survived this cold, this ocean, they came out. They're, they're different men based on what they went through. I think that's the idea of character. Technically, it's defined, it's, it's the experience of, growing, of going through a test with special reference to the result. So you've heard the phrase, this will build your character. There's kind of that idea of building up who you are. It's a common phrase. So, so God builds us up via suffering. Via endurance, our character is built up. And then this character produces hope. Through suffering, God has granted endurance. He's built up our character, so we hope, hopefully, differently. I think those of you that are older in the faith and you have watched God through trials in your past and and you can testify to this, You've seen God's faithfulness. There's a deepening walk with the Lord. When you've gone through that suffering and through that trial, it deepens you in the Lord. That's His grace working through us, testing and holding on to our faith, even when we're struggling and suffering and He holds on to us. Through the suffering, 
Again, we don't welcome it, but Paul promotes that God is at work in it. And if God is at work in the suffering, then let us, I'm not changing the scripture, it says we rejoice in our sufferings. Paul sees something, something beyond, I think by faith, something beyond the, the near-term present suffering. Obviously, this is not just Paul thinking this. James 1 might come to mind. Count it all joy, my brothers. It's not just Paul's, you know, kind of, man, Paul's kind of wacky saying joy. James, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This endurance and character and hope, they are byproducts of a manufacturing process called suffering. And again, this is not to downplay for any of you suffering this morning even, the reality of it. Not just to cover up suffering. Not just to to say, well, come on, if you're suffering, just rejoice. The Bible tells you to. Just, you know, get over it. Just be happy. There's pain in that. There's loss or questions, being confused. But in Christ, there's this inner joy, inner hope. Like, like a shelter. I mean, there, there's, there's a reason why that phrase, a shelter in the midst of a storm. You think of that picture. And you're in that storm. There's this shelter of this rejoicing in our sufferings of what God is doing and loving on us through that. Paul says it best if we just continue in the passage. Look at verse 5. So character produces hope, verse 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Your hope in God, if you hear, if you're in suffering, if you're not in suffering, hope in God, put your hope in the glory of God, that hope is not in vain, meaning it's not empty, it's not worthless, it will never be brought to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Spirit that's been given to us. It's actually the first mention of God's love in Romans. I had to look that up. It's the first time that this idea of God's love comes out here. We've, we've seen it already. It's God justifying rebels like us, sinners in Christ, Christ being delivered up for us and then raised that we might be declared righteous. God loves us in what Christ has done, but here it is. And Paul wants to assure us of hope here based on this indwelling spirit of God by whom God's love is made known to us. Now, we talked about the peace being objective. I, I think there's an objective, there's, there's truth here of this spirit, but there's also a, a subjectiveness to this, an experience base. This love is poured out. It's something we experience. Now, saying that, we might say the word feel. I want to be cautious there. Sometimes we think, man, don't talk about feelings, and we don't want to give them more weight than they can bear. We, we believe based on truth, but truth leads to experience, joy, rejoicing. It leads to that. It's, we, in Christ, we don't have an emotionless hope. It ought to produce joy in us and gladness. Think of how many psalms call for praise and thanksgiving. 
When we sing, it's well with my soul, I think there's something more than, than just singing the mere words of the song. We can do that if our mind is somewhere else, or we can just sing the words. But if we're thinking, is it well? It is. In Christ? In Christ. All the way? All the way. No shame. In Christ, there's a joy in that. There's an experience to that. I think God does that work by His Spirit, taking the truths of God, not apart from them, taking them, putting, us, putting them into our hearts. Maybe that's what Paul, in some sense, is doing. I don't know. Maybe in, in verses chapters 1 through 4, he's laying the groundwork of the objective foundation. Here's the foundation of all this. Mankind, there's, there's the power of the gospel for salvation. Mankind is born in sin. We are, we are accountable before God. Here's the justifying work of Christ. Put your faith in him like Abraham. And now we're kind of getting into chapter 5 and this abounding grace and the privileges. And what do you have in Christ? And what you have is God's love poured into the heart through the spirit who he has given. The spirit of God is the means by which his love is poured out to us. Think of it this way. Jesus speaks to the role of the Holy Spirit in John 16. He says it this way, and maybe that's helpful for us. We think of God's love poured into our hearts through the Spirit. He says, Jesus says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, Spirit of truth, not apart from truth, but truth. So when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He, that is the Spirit, will glorify me, Jesus. So, He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who he has given, who is declaring what in our hearts? His mission to declare to you the things of Jesus Christ taking what is Christ, declaring it to you. And it's poured out into us, God's love through his spirit, to testify to Christ. And this hope will never disappoint us. It's not like other hopes, like hoping that it won't rain or hoping it will rain, that maybe that will happen, maybe not. You just don't know. Hoping you'll go to the the county courthouse or government center or DMV and you'll have all your paperwork in order. And you probably won't. And you have to go home. That's, that's just hope that you know, okay, don't, don't set your hopes on that. This one you can bank on and set your hope on. It's assured by God's Spirit. As we close here, if you are in Christ, you have peace with God. Just to review the verses, you have access to stand in God's grace. You have a hope of living for God's glory and of God's glory being in his presence forever. And in your suffering, you have a sure hope as God assures you with his love via his spirit, pointing you to Christ in the midst of suffering. No matter the circumstance in Christ, we have this present hope and a hope for eternity. God is at work in us, transforming us. Um, Paul Tripp, that, that quote of Paul Tripp's, uh, God will uh, take you where you do not, I've got it written in here, God will take you where you do not want to go 
in order to produce in you what you could not achieve on your own. You want to live for God's glory? We say, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to, I want to know what it is. I want to know you more. We don't know what road God leads us, potentially through suffering, to produce in us that endurance, that character, that hope. We just don't have time. It's 2 Corinthians 1, one of my favorite places to think of Paul in this message of relying on God's hope. You can look it up later, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You read about the hope that the difficulties Paul faced made him rely on God. To those working in VBS this week, may you serve in the strength that God supplies to be encouraged. What we have to proclaim today is of eternal weight, eternal glory. We want to trust the Lord for who he will bring in through these doors to minister the gospel to them. This gospel of peace, access to grace, hope and suffering. I want to encourage you as well, if you cannot make it, if you can't be part of VBS, you say, my, my days of VBS are, are gone, I've got busy, I'm working at night, whatever it is, would you just pray then for what is going on? I really want to encourage us again, this is often in this, there's spiritual battles going on with hearts because we're dealing with hearts. We're dealing with our own heart and serving joyfully in the strength God supplies and dealing with the hearts of those that come. Pray for us this week. Pray that God would work in these hearts. For all of us, may we rejoice in the steady hope that we have in Jesus Christ alone. Let's, let's pray here. Lord, I just want to pause here and we, we, we close to, to pray for the ministry of this week. What will go on tonight, Sunday night, and then Monday night, and Tuesday and Wednesday, closing out Thursday. Lord, we want to trust you for those kids that you will bring through these doors and their parents. Father, we have an opportunity this week to proclaim the greatest hope, the eternal hope that we can ever proclaim. Praise the Lord. It's not based on on feelings or it's based on, on some hearsay somewhere. It's based on the truth of your word that there is a hope of Christ that is a sure foundation. Guide every worker here, whether they're just setting out some snacks or they're just, they're just here, they're just present, or they're teaching, or they're helping kids memorize a verse, or they're playing a game. Lord, may you so just fill their hearts with such joy it's such boasting in the gospel that that's what oozes out through our week here. And Lord, on our own, in our own strength, we cannot produce that. It's you. And Lord, we want to pray along with the text today. Perhaps there is suffering to come. Maybe even this week. Maybe even the trial of, of an exhaustion and yet serving uh, the kids here this week. Lord, even through that, May we grow in endurance and you build our character and you strengthen our hope and we move on because we can trust you and because we trust that your love has been poured into our heart by your spirit, which you have given us. We did not earn your spirit's dwelling within, it's grace. And so all praise and glory goes to your name. Lord, whatever suffering we're in, whatever this week would take place, May we grow to rejoice in the hope of growing in 
in the transforming to you growing in seeing you one day looking toward that eternal hope and growing through our suffering I pray this in your name Amen You've been listening to Bethany Radio a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota